0: Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Morning Moxie Show. I'm Alicia Sharp, your host, and today we have Lou Giglio on the show, and he's actually being interviewed by the people at TBN, and he is talking to us about how God can change your story. So many times we think that our story's written, what's going on in our lives is a done deal, that we can't change anything, that we are who we've been for all these years, that things can't change, but God can change anything in the drop of a hat he can change anything that he wants to we just have to believe just have to believe and continue to follow him here's Louis.
1: so there has to be some crazy story about how this applies to you or god wouldn't have had you do it okay so what happened to you <clears throat> and not forsaken what happened with you and your father your family or uh- something Something happened to cause you to write this book.
2: Yeah, two big things happened. One, I had a mentor when I was in high school and college named Dan Dehan. He went to heaven in uh, 1982 and he was 33 years old. But he was my guy. Okay. And when I was around this guy, um, when he talked about Jesus, everything changed. I mean, something switched on. It, there was fire in his eyes. <laughs> and this guy was a marathon runner, a tennis player. He was cool. But when he talked about Jesus, it was not information. It was, I know. Jesus, I know God." And He sparked in me a hunger. Even as an 18-year-old, I want to know God. I don't want to spend my whole life with information. I want to really know this God. And that was the catalyst. And Dan DeHaan taught me that God is a Father. The first time I heard someone say 189 times in the four Gospels alone was Dan DeHaan in about 1980. Okay. And so this goes all the way back. This is my formation, and this is how I came to know God personally, not just all the information. I got saved. I went to church. I read the Bible, all that. No, I now am experiencing a relationship with creation, with justice, with omnipotence, with sovereignty, all these characteristics. You can't put your arms around sovereignty. Right. You can't put your arms around justice, but you can put your arms around a father, yeah. Beautiful. and it changed my life. And I decided at about uh, 18 years old that I was going to set my life towards knowing God. And all of that was wrapped around knowing Him as a father. Now that was all contextualized with my dad. My dad, um, we were a half Catholic, half -half Baptist family, so I don't know what that made us. Dad was a not practicing Catholic, and I was on fire for Jesus, and we didn't have common ground around that. And lo and behold, when I'm a freshman in college, God calls me to preach. I mean radical, transformational call, woke me up in the middle of the night, I mean clear as a bell. You're not going that way. You're going this way. Right. So two weeks later, I'm going to go down and tell the church on Sunday night. Do you remember these days when mm-hmm. you would go down oh, yeah. Sunday night, Charles Stanley is my pastor. I'm going to yep. shake his hand and I'm going to surrender to, to the ministry. <laughs> and I, I knew I needed my dad to come, but my dad didn't go to church. So Monday, I should have told my dad. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I should have told my dad. should have told him Sunday morning, but I didn't. I didn't even tell him until 3 o'clock Sunday afternoon. Now, this is putting my dad in a very difficult spot, but I finally got up the nerve. I walked into the kitchen of our little modest apartment in Smyrna, Georgia, and my dad was eating leftovers out of a pot on the stove, as my dad would at 3 o'clock in the afternoon (laughs) on a Sunday afternoon. And I said, Dad, and I don't even know how I got the words out. I just said, Dad, I feel like God's called me to be a preacher. And my dad looked at me, and you know, sometimes with your dad, you don't need a sentence. Mm. It's just a look. And it all was like, all the wheels were grinding. Mm. Okay, so I'm going to be with my poker buddies next Friday night, and they're going to be asking me, now, what's your kid going to do again? Mm. And I am going to say, my dad, I'm going to say, he's going to be a Baptist preacher deal me in. (laughs) I mean, it's just putting my dad in a really awkward spot and it's three o'clock and the service is at whatever, seven. And I said, Dad, I'd really like it if you came tonight. And that night I did go down the aisle and I did shake Dr. Stanley's hand and I did surrender to ministry and my dad wasn't there. And we didn't have a, a way to communicate around it. We didn't talk about it that night or the next night or the next week or the next month or six months after that. And I set out on this course to do this thing I knew God had called me to do. But I didn't have that affirmation, that belief from my dad saying, you can do it. And so I had to process that. And I think all of us have some processing to do like that in our lives.
1: Hmm. The subject goes on, impacts you. The book comes out 30 years later. What happened in the process of, of this, and how did it apply to you?
2: Well, one thing that was a gift from God, my dad, uh, tragically, um, at 58 years of age, so many years after the stove incident, uh, my dad contracted a brain virus and became disabled overnight, mentally and physically. Went from just being a genius. My dad uh, created the Chick-fil-A logo, did other amazing things in life. Okay, um, wait. <laughs> I love this story. Wait. Uh,
1: hello. <laughs> um, okay, <clears throat> don't just pass over that. Say say that yeah, again. Yeah, my dad was yeah. a
2: graphic designer and he okay. freelanced in Atlanta. And in 1964, my we, dad we created. Go to a wide shot. Uh, come on in. Just we got. Just stay there.
1: It's right. Okay. I just want
2: you. Oh here. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, sir. Thank Dinner. you so much. That's just <laughs> this for you. Is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Come on, people, we're getting better in here right now. In 1964, Chick-fil-A has had a logo for two years, but it's uh, it's a whole different ballgame. My dad draws this guy out in 1964. It originally was black and thinner with a little red things on the top. My sister watched him do it when she was seven years old and um, she told me all about it. Like, um, can we eat some of these Yes, fries? absolutely. Um, that, that is for you.
1: It's just a prop. Yeah. Uh, they paid us a lot of Here money to bring that Thoreau and sit that it way. out in front of <laughs> you. <laughs> you go.
2: I'm kidding. They didn't pay, <laughs> no, we maybe. paid. But my sister told me all these years, she said, you know, when my dad passed away, which I was about to say, um, she said, you know, Daddy did the Chick-fil-A logo, and when my dad died, we found a lot of his sketches and early things of things he'd done all over the city of Atlanta, but never did we find the Chick-fil-A sketches. And I just said, oh, Gina, that's awesome that you think Dad did the Chick-fil-A logo. <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to just let you have that. You know, yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> and 10 years later, the head of Chick-fil-A calls me one day out of the blue. Um, I know him well now, but I didn't know him at the time, and he said, hey, I'm about to fax you something that you'd like to see. And it was the original invoice from 1964 when, for $75, my dad created the Chick fil A logo that is still in existence, been thickened up, turned red, slight modifications a few times, but still there. But this brilliant artist overnight becomes disabled, mentally and physically, never goes back to work, never plays golf, never does art again. And in the process of that, I'm living in another state, and Charles Stanley calls me. And he says, I'd like you to come and preach for me at First Baptist Church, Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, wow. Now, I can't explain. You know, I'm doing youth retreats and lock-ins, and that's about where I am in my ministry track. And I'm going to go back and preach to 3,000 people on Father's Day, Sunday no less, at First Baptist Church, Atlanta. <laughs> and I'm preaching this message. Wow! I'm preaching that God is a perfect father. Well, my mom has been out of church for four years caring for my dad. She just drops out of life for a few years because she's the sole caregiver for my dad, 24 hours a day. My dad hadn't been in church for years before he got sick. But on that Sunday, my mom came Mm. and my dad came. Mm. (laughs) And sitting right over there under the balcony at the end of the pew is my mom. And there's my dad in his wheelchair in the aisle. And he looks fantastic. My mom's got him looking great. My dad has never heard me speak has never heard me preach, has never heard me open the Word of God. This is before the technological age, so he couldn't hear. I lived in Texas, he lived in Atlanta. And we've never finished the conversation at the stove. Oh my goodness. So I stand up to speak. I'm shaking in my shoes because I'm preaching for Charles Stanley. and i'm behind that pulpit that you know i I heard him preach from all those years and i'm in the very room where i came down that night and surrendered to the call to preach and i don't even look over at my mom and dad i mean i don't ever even look over that way i preach the message i don't know if it's good or bad i get through it i come down the steps a lot of people say you did a good job thank you thank you for coming finally all those people dissipate and i look up and there's an army around my mom because she's a saint of this house (laughs) and she hasn't been in church for five years probably and so finally all the people trickle away and I walk up and there's my dad and I reach out my hand and my, my throat, you know, just goes right into my mouth and I just break and I just say, Dad, thanks so much for coming. And I reach down and grab his hand and my dad had this gleam in his eye and this smile. And when he would smile, it would just would change everything. And he's looked at me with that smile. and He goes, are you kidding me, Ace? He said, That was the best thing I've ever heard in my life. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I just was like, mmm. <clears throat> and from that moment, I knew I had my Father's blessing. Oh, my goodness. And we never had the commonality of our walk with Jesus, but I knew He was proud of me, and I know He's proud of me right now. And when I do walk off the stage, I know if my dad was sitting there right now, he'd go, man, that was fantastic. Mm. That was amazing. And so in my life, I've seen that the way God can come around and change stories. I've seen the way that God can turn the tide, that there's not a period at the end of anybody's sentence. No one watching us has a period at the end of your sentence, not of your relationship with your dad. Even if your dad is gone, God can still step into the gap. Mm. And so the pencil is still in the hand of God, and he's still writing our stories, and he's still changing our lives.
0: That is so true. God is not done with you yet. He's not done writing your story. If you are still living, if you're still breathing, if you're still on this earth, God has a place and a purpose for you. That was Louis Giglio, and you can find that clip on YouTube. If you search under Louis Giglio, God can change your story. You can also find out more information about him at his website, which is louigiglio.com. And he also has a new book out. It's called Not Forsaken. So I encourage you to check that book out and go get it wherever books are sold. Have a great day, everybody. And I will see you again tomorrow. Remember, go live your 320 life. More than you can imagine. Have